Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And you know I love to bring you people that are just on the cutting edge of what's going on and the future of business. So today is no different. So today on the show, I'd like to welcome Ray Waite, founder of Lighthouse Force. Ray works with organizations and teams to prepare them to identify and learn the skills that will make them excellent leaders of their industries today and into the future. Ray, thank you for joining us today. Hey, Casey. I am super excited to be here today. Awesome. So one of the things that I like to start the show off with is to talk about how we got connected, because I think connections are so important in business. So curious, this is your test for the day. You thought the other one was a test, but this is it. Do you remember how we got connected? I believe you interviewed a friend of mine, Gleb Sersky. I'm so glad you said his last name. <laughs> okay. And I, I say it very carefully. It took me quite a while. <laughs> yeah, he was absolutely amazing talking about unconscious biases and not to trust, trust your, your gut. gut. <laughs> yes, yeah. Exactly. Which is so counterintuitive to the whole training that I've just done for coaching for the last year. Oh, okay. <laughs> Where they're like, trust your intuition, you know? And he yeah. was like, don't trust it. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's so he gets He gets that in all of his talks. You know, people just give him strange looks, but it's great. It's great to hear. It's great new thoughts. Well, and he was so kind as to like, he sent me a whole list of people in his network. And he says, see if any of these people interest you. And I came across your profile and I was like, this one, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> great. So I'm glad we got to make this work today. So tell me a little bit, what's the mission of Lighthouse Force and what inspired you to start this company? Well, I've always been sort of a futurist, always reading everything I can about what, you know, where we're heading in the future. So that's always just been an exciting you know, passion of mine. And um, I've been in the business world throughout my life. I've, I've worked in the corporate world. Um, I've been an engineer as well as a manager for a lot of different engineering teams and projects and such. So I've got a lot of experience with some of the new technologies like artificial intelligence, which has a huge impact on our future. Huge. Okay. As well as some of the skills that are going to be needed there we'll be talking about today, like critical thinking, innovation, and design thinking as well. So um, the business just came about because I was talking about this, you know, for a lot of, a lot on the side of, of my job. Um, and people were inviting me in and I thought, hey, you know, I could do this full time. This could be my passion, my my life and I could, you know, be doing what I'm loving. And so this is this is where I'm at. That is so interesting. And I love what you just said, because I tell everybody all the time that, you know, I want to help people find their passion so they never work a day in their life. And it sounds like you've done that. It, yeah, and it took me a while, but I, I just say be patient. You know, I, I always I always worked it on the side, and I knew I had it there. And we got situations like this past year with COVID. I was glad I still had my full time job. Okay, so so multiple sources of income are important as well while you're trying to get to that passionate point. So, absolutely. And in speaking of that, so I mean, 
I, I don't know if I shared this with you when we spoke earlier, but you know, this is not my first career. I, I don't recall, so. so. Yeah, so get ready. Hold on to something okay. so you don't fall over. <laughs> okay. So my first career for 20 years was in accounting. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. That is funny because my dad was an accountant, and as I grew up, I always wanted to be an accountant to the day I got to college and took my first accounting class, and I said, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> this is not for me. <laughs> well, but I always kind of heard that, like, accountants were, like, people that – failed at engineering. Have you well, never heard that? No, I haven't heard that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did so, not. Interesting. So you mentioned critical thinking as being one of the skills, and that's definitely one of your expertises. So what does critical thinking look like to you when it's done right? Well, the best way to understand it is we can start off with the, the type of thinking we typically do, which I call automatic thinking. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, things come into our brain. And this is sort of a survival skill that's built into us where we very quickly compartmentalize things or we very quickly try to understand it based on what we already have in our head. So we end up with, you know, a lot of part partiality, you know, and, and a lot of um, biases that, you know, come about as a part of that, but they protect us, okay? So if you think about it, like if you're driving down the road and a deer jumps in front of your car, okay? At that moment, you might be seeing a beautiful farm behind the deer. You might see a great sunset in the horizon, but you, your mind does not bring those in to you, okay? What it brings in is the dangerous part. So it's, 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 it's very much screening what's there. With critical thinking, I see it more holistic. You're opening up and you're seeing everything, okay? And you're trying as best you can to understand things that maybe don't agree with you or that everyone else in the room is not agreeing with. And I always, that's one way I always thought about, you know, how do I know I, it when I see it? Well, if everyone in the room is shaking their head yes, and then someone's saying, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, <laughs> that's the person that might be critically thinking because they're not just going along with the team. Um, when I started out as a manager, I, I remember there was a woman who, uh, she would sit in the meetings where, where we had like engineers and different people presenting ideas, and she would ask the most basic questions. And I always thought like, you know, everybody knows that. Why is she asking that? But she would get discussion generated, and sometimes that discussion would lead us to new places that, you know, were really good. She knew the answer, you know, the basic answer, but she was still trying to get people to think a little bit more. Very good um, skill, you know, to do with teams. Just those little STEM thoughts, right, to get yeah, the yeah. tree to grow. And, and, and when you're questioning, you're not um, doing it in, like, a nasty way or you're not being devil's advocate, okay? What you're doing is you're being curious. I'm just curious, and, and this is a great thing. I think um, Gleb might have talked with you about it, but whenever you um, hear somebody who is really against your values or, you know, they're, they're just stand for something you don't understand, try to, try to you know, show some curiosity. Well, let me, you know, I want to understand why you think that. And what happens is you get on a, a level playing field and you have a good conversation, which, you know, is usually not what happens. Usually you're just butting heads. So it's, it's, it takes some practice, but anyone can do it. It's, it's a very good skill. You, you know, and I think there are those people that that naturally go to critical thinking, and then there's others that would rather just be like little whirlwinds. That would be me. Yes. I, you know, I'm like, here's my idea. Let's go. <laughs> and then, like, but whenever I bring up an idea, like at VIP, that I want to do something, like with the podcast, it made perfect sense to me that we should do a podcast, right? But it, when I presented it, it was kind of like, well, what about this? And I'm like... Who cares? Let's just go record, you know? Yeah, right, so, right. But we needed that critical thinking because there was a lot of work to do to launch this thing. 
Yeah, and and you know what's good. I, I like what you said about you know you, you aren't good at it naturally, but you can be. You you need to practice. It's something anyone can learn, and it's real. Initially, it's just recognizing when you don't do it. <laughs> oh, you know, I should <laughs> I should have listened a little bit better because if you get into an argument with somebody. Um, right away, the communication's broken down, you know, and that's a point to say, hey, how can I handle this a little differently? You know, go through that curious side. You know, and that is another thing that they teach in coaching school. I just recently finished coaching school, so it's like top of oh, mind okay. on everything that I do, you know, but, yeah. um, but curiosity with your clients. You just go in and you're curious with them and you ask them those empowering questions to let yeah. them find their own solutions. So I think that's curiosity, I think, plays across all the boards, right? Right, right. And, you know, the other thing about critical thinking, I mentioned about artificial intelligence, and I think we'll be talking later about how that's going to play into jobs of the future. But computers can't do critical thinking. Mm. <laughs> they cannot do it today. Okay. Yet. Maybe, you know, maybe 50 years from now, I can't speak for what they're going to be doing then. But right now, that's something that you need the human side for. And so, if you know, if, if things are going down a certain path, it's just, hey, let's stop for a minute. Let's just talk about why we're doing this. You know that kind of that kind of thing is a is, is an excellent skill to bring in, and the curiosity side of it. Well, I'm curious about so just kind of talking about that and talking about my behavior about you know just going forward, just hard charging and not always thinking through all the different aspects. So, and I think this will tie into a post that you recently did because I think I do this all the time. But you recently shared a post on LinkedIn about failing forward. So, oh yeah. What does this mean and how can others learn from their past failures? Failing forward, it, it's really learning from experience rather than just thinking and learning. And I'm going to ask you now, do you have a paper clip handy there? I maybe, don't. Maybe you, maybe you can get one. Maybe some of your viewers can grab a paper clip if it's handy. And if not, you can just listen. Okay. <laughs> so what, what I'm going to ask your, your viewers to do is just with that paper clip right now, I, I'm going to ask you to do something in the next 30 seconds, and that is that to bend the paper clip into a sculpture of sorts that is freestanding and as high, as tall as you could possibly make it. That's the two requirements. It has to be freestanding and as high as you can make it. So I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk while people are trying this, okay? I wish so, I had a paper clip. Yeah, you got to try it. Um, one of the things that's important with this, that's why I like to do this exercise with the paper clips, is that most of us have not done this before, okay? <laughs> Unless you're a paper clip crazy sculptor, you know, maybe <laughs> we have some of them out there, who knows? But yeah, I haven't yet to meet one. Um, so it's something brand new. It's something you haven't dealt with before. And so how do you learn to do that? And if you think about it, would you sit here and say, okay, I'm going to bend it in a particular shape that I can describe. I can even draw it on a whiteboard. And then I'm going to do it and it'll work. I, I probably wouldn't. Nobody's going to do that. Okay. What's going to happen? And the viewers can, you know, as they're still struggling with it, they can attest to this is they're going to try something and it doesn't stand up. So now they have to build a bigger base. So they try a base and finally get a base to stand up, but now it's not very tall. So they're going to try to minimize the base and try to make it a little, just all these things, but it's all trial and error. It's diving in and doing something and then learning from it. Okay. And um, there's a company called Ideo that on the west coast that's very big on innovation okay they started some of the design thinking training and the uh the, the the founder of that tim brown he always talked about something called building to think because the way we typically do things is we think to build if we're going to create something you're going to create a new show or whatever you sit down you you think it all through and then you go off and do it 
what he's saying is we should build first, get something out there like the paperclip sculpture, see what happens, learn from it. And we're not intending that initial project or initial thing that we're creating to be a final, it's to learn. And so if you learn from it, you're failing, you know, we didn't, we didn't succeed in what we did, but we learned from the failing and that's a huge success because now we haven't invested a lot of time in that design that didn't work, you know, or whatever it was that, that eventually isn't going to work. So, so failing forward means, hey, you, you need to fail quickly and then learn from it. I don't know, um, last week, did you see the SpaceX rocket um, that uh, Elon Musk's company put up? It, it, okay, he, it showed a landing, and a lot of your viewers probably saw it. It's big on YouTube right now, where the rocket just blew up. I mean, we're talking fire everywhere. It hit the ground too hard. And what happened was the it, rocket was coming in at an angle, which is which was to make it hit slower as it came through the earth. It was getting more wind resistance, and then it straightened out and sat down. And Elon was not upset about this. <laughs> he said that we learned so much from this. That was you know that's what he was telling everybody was that what happens is, and he expected it. He had a one out of three shot; it was going to blow up. You know, but the point is, there's not a hundred people in that rocket today. There was nobody in that rocket today. And they all study, they're going to study the heck out of that thing and figure out exactly how to get it right. Because we never landed a rocket that way before. It was the first time. So with the paperclip, you know, he expected it to fail. So that's the whole idea of failing forward is that you need to fail so you can move forward and learn from it. And, and I think the key there is learn from it. Absolutely. Don't keep doing the do same it, thing. If you do the same thing twice, then, you know, <laughs> uh, you got to question what you're doing. Right. <laughs> exactly. All right. So you've kind of alluded to this earlier um, with the AI and stuff like that. But what does the workplace of the future look like and how can professionals today prepare for it? Okay. Um, McKinsey and company have done a lot of studies on this. They're, they're a company that, you know, gathers a lot of data. And they I love reading their reports because they focus a lot on the innovation of the future and such. Um, and what they found is that our jobs are not going to go away per se. Okay, there are some jobs that are maybe very methodical, manual. Think about a manufacturing plant today. There's a lot of jobs that can be done by robots. You know, okay, it's a very repetitive thing that a robot can figure out. But in general, all of our jobs are going to be affected because tasks are going to go away. Things that we do. So you can do this, Casey, and each of your viewers can do it for whatever job they have. What things do I do that's, that's sort of algorithmic, meaning I could write it down like a recipe and give it to someone and they could read that recipe and do it. Those are the tasks that are going to go away first. Okay, they're going to be the first ones to disappear. So for me, you know, there, there are accounting things I have to do with my business, my taxes, for example. Those are all things that are pretty much, they're, they're complex algorithms, but they are algorithms. They can be written down and you, if this happens, you do this, otherwise you do something else. So it's really not that, it's the problem solving part of your job. Each and every one of us typically has a problem we have to figure out. That's not gonna be done by, by artificial intelligence, okay? That's where people need to come in. So look at your job and think about what you're doing and you know what is unique and try to expand on those skills. I had a friend who um, was, was working, let's see, he was working with a company all that did, um, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think what they, they, they did copies. Okay. So they made copies was part of the, what his comp, what his part of, of the job did. And, um, he worked, you know, running copies through machines, different ways for clients. And they've got this brand new machine that was going to take, take all this new technology and do a lot of the stuff they did. You know, it was going to collate, staple, do all kinds of unique things. And 
everyone was sort of afraid or upset with this machine. Well, he spent a lot of time learning it. He would stay after work. He'd spend his own hours trying to learn how to get this machine to work. Well, a lot of those copier people that he worked with were let go. He kept his job. Okay, he kept his job because he embraced the new technology. He understood it. He worked with it. And when there was problems on that machine, he was the one that could figure it out. Okay. <laughs> So that's sort of a, a good example, you know, of, of how you could take, you want know, to, you want to not fight the new technology. You want to embrace it. Um, there's an, also a company, um, a clients that I had that, that um, they brought in for their HR department. They brought in um, some artificial intelligence in the way of a bot. A bot is, you know, this little person that pops up on your screen. That's not really a person. And cause they usually have a name and they would say, hi, can I help you? And you would type in your question. If that AI bot could answer the question it would and then that was it okay and it was usually the more simple questions like hey how many weeks of vacation does this person get you know it would look it up that kind of thing but the more difficult problems then the bot would say let me let me get someone to help you and then it would go to a set of hr people who understood the technology worked well with it and would come in so some of those hr people were let go because they they didn't need as many because mm. the bot replaced some of their time the ones that were that were retained were the ones that really understood, you know, the the um, problems and and the company and, and can figure out solutions, unique solutions, you know. So, so think about your job and how you do and, and that, and sort of focus on those kind of things. And and you know, also I mentioned um, innovation is very important because with the problem solving, there's problems that we've never seen before. Mm. COVID, <laughs> this, I, you know, I, 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 I hate COVID. I don't want to say I love it, but I love the, some of the impacts of COVID because it's a great example of a problem we've never seen before, and it affects every one of us. You can pick, pick anybody off the street, and they're, <laughs> they're going to come in, and they're going to tell you, hey, you know, this is something that um, I, I have a unique story. Everyone has a unique story. How do you deal with that? Well, you had to figure it out. So you had to do that problem solving in your head. You needed innovation because you, you didn't have anything else to pull from. This is the first time you ever saw this problem. You needed to be very creative, innovative. You know, one of the things that we did pre-COVID was we, it was a promise we made to our clients is that we would meet every candidate in person. Well, that's not possible now, right? So, and, we okay. can, and here's the interesting thing. Our clients are having to adapt to this as well. And I can't tell you how many people I've placed during the pandemic that have been hired virtually, and then onboarded virtually as well, and then oh, trained. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and it's a whole mind shift. If you'd have told me that I was going to have to, you know, place people without ever meeting them face to face, because I thought I had like this truth radar that I could tell mm -hmm. if you were lying to me, if I was in person with you, I'd have been like, no way, I'm not doing that. That's not <laughs> the way we do it. You know, um, one other thing I wanted to kind of point out too, is that the AI is already affecting our job seekers. Ray, I'm sure you're familiar with applicant tracking systems that companies use for hiring purposes. And, uh, yeah. and talking about the AI, one of the things that I talk to my candidates about if they're applying on their own with these companies is that you've really got to tidy your resume up to match that job description because like you said, there's a bot in there. This may not be what they call it, but there's something in there. There's some artificial intelligence that if your resume doesn't match whatever percentage to the job description that they set up, you're kicked out. A human being never sees your resume. Yeah, and I, I really am not as familiar with what's, you know, there's probably experts that could tell you how to get around that, so I would look for that. Um, I get more involved at the hiring manager level where you actually come in and have, you know, you get your first interview. Um, so, 
but but I also do selection, and I think you know some of the selecting I do is probably what is built into some of those those algorithms. Probably, um, for sure. So, uh, what advice, if any, can you share with job seekers to help them be more prepared for the future of applying for jobs? Um, first, well, the one most important thing that I look for in in my hiring is I look for the uh, ability to learn or mm. the, or the desire to learn. Okay, because and and you know with some of the uh, programmers I hire, for example, uh, there's programming languages that, you know, are always screening people out. You know, you have to know certain programming languages. I'm not as interested in all the programming languages you know today. I want to know what can you learn for, you know, quickly and, and show me examples of where you have picked up something new and learned it because the technology is just changing like crazy. And, and I want somebody who can, you know, come in and not, you know, sit there and say, I don't know this, but instead spend the time and, 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 there's there's a skill to that you know organizing yourself so that you can learn something and learn and the 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 ability to do it just the fact that you want to do it so i would say to really emphasize that especially if you get to the point of an interview with the hiring manager that that you know give examples of where you have and i'll ask for those give examples of where you have learned something you didn't know and what you struggled with and it's not always going to be a walk in the park i'm expecting to hear about your struggles you know, you're not always going to succeed with it, but just that passion for learning and that ability to learn, that's really what I key in on because, you know, um, the, the technologies, as I said, and even the skills that we're doing, like today we use design thinking, which is a process for innovating. That's a lot of people don't know about that. Well, you should be learning about that. You know, anyone that is involved in any kind of innovation needs to learn about design thinking. So write it down and <laughs> look it up. <laughs> And I think that if I remember correctly, did, don't you have a video on YouTube specifically around design thinking? Oh, yeah, I have. I have several of them on my okay. YouTube channel. Yes, I thought so. I thought so. Yep. So what innovations and in company culture do you see today and how can um, how can companies adopt them? Well, you, you, you hit a key word there, Casey, with your question, culture. Culture is so, so important because I, I do training on innovation and I go into a lot of companies and I can pretty much tell based on who's coming in to take the training and the discussions I have with them if it's going to succeed or not. Because, you know, do you have the, the top down, um, idea, you know, acceptance of innovating? You know, do you have people that are excited about it and really want this to happen? And do they understand the language of failing forward? You know, if you come in and, and you say, hey, I saw this project fell flat on its face. Yeah, but we learned so much. That's someone that's something that should excite a manager that's behind innovation. But I don't see that a lot of times. You know, it's like, oh, no, we wasted all this time and it didn't work. I mean, I, I, what I do is I bring some of my customers and clients in and I will show them things in a very early form. OK, it's experimenting, you know, so so I'll put something up. I'll show them. Um, we actually use something called storyboards. And I, I should put that up on my, I have a video on storyboards I can put up on my um, YouTube channel. But with that, we just draw a, pro, a, a four panel cartoon and it just shows, you know, here's the, here's the first panel where the person has a problem, then they implement our solution, now they're happy. It gets discussion going. And then they have a different idea, so we put up another storyboard. And we start talking about these things and I learn, you know, what are their assumptions? What are the things that they want and what are they willing to pay for before I even implement anything? Because any of those would have been very costly to go down the road of implementing. And we make assumptions like people are going to buy something. People are going to use this app. They're going to they're willing to, to take, take this step. And then you find out they don't. 
your whole your whole idea is going to go down the tubes. It's not going to make any money. So find out early. You know that that's that's the thing. And I've seen companies that embrace that. Um, and design thinking is a process that utilizes that. It always pulls the user in and gets them involved at the very beginning. Well, I think I am very fortunate, and I didn't realize this when I joined VIP that I did join a very innovative company. I mean, how many recruiting agencies do you know that have a podcast? Oh, that's great. That's great. Right, and that are about to roll out executive coaching as yes. part of their one of their verticals. You know, and that's something that no other that I know of recruiting agency is doing as a whole. So I just I love that you and. The failing forward piece too. There's been so many times when I've brought ideas to them, and they're like, "Try it. We'll see if it works." You know, and if it doesn't, it's okay. We'll we'll try something else. You know, that is great. Um, Spotify is a company that's sharing music company, very innovative company, and they have what they call a, a fail wall, and it's a wall where people will post on post-its or on pieces of paper what they did that failed and how they learned from it, and they're proud to put those up there. That's a culture. You know, I could never see that happening in, in certain other companies that I visit because it's like, why would we why would we show our failures on a wall? They want to see them because, you know, and, and, it, and it gets people encouraged because it's a reward system. You know, you put it up there. Wow. You get some recognition for putting the failure up. <laughs> that is so awesome. I did not know that that mm, that just gave me an idea. <laughs> okay. We may have a fail wall next time we talk. Good. Do it. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you have to have learnings, though. You always always need the learnings. And and I learned this with some of the engineers I used to manage. You know, they'd come into my office, their head down. It's like, oh, my gosh, the test failed. We It blew up. We're not going to make our schedule this week. And then I say, sit down. Uh, you know, what did you learn from this? What What's going to prevent us from doing this in the future? What can we do to make this more productive for everybody here? And by the time they walk out, they're feeling really good. Okay, it's like it's an upbeat meeting. You know, it's like, wow, look at this list of things we just came up with that we learned. But you have to, you have, to have that throughout your management. You can't just, you know, have people train on that and then get beat down for something that, you know, something that just was a learning experience. Well, and I think, too, I think sometimes – we are the toughest critics on ourselves. So we need to give ourselves permission and a little bit of grace to accept those failures. And I'll tell you, that used to be probably one of my biggest hangups and one of my biggest barriers to achieving what I wanted to achieve. Cause I was like, if it's not perfect, I'm not going to do it. And I was never right. doing anything. Right. And so <laughs> when I just started going, like even on the podcast, if I mess up, I'm like, hmm, oh, well, can't talk today, you know? <laughs> so I just, you have to give it yourself some grace. And it applies to a lot of things, your personal life as well. You know, like you have a relationship that fails. Well, so, you know, a lot of times people have relationships that blow up. Well, what did I learn from that? You know, because I don't want to go through that again in my life. You know, so there's just so many times you, if you if you do that and do it in the right way, you can start to feel good about the failure. Absolutely. And so, encourage that in other people. So that's, that's important. And thing. I certainly try to do that. So you also speak about continuous change and how to reduce the fear of taking risks. So. Why do people have a tendency to fear change? Um, it gets back to the way our brains are wired. You know, we, we fear we fear change because there's danger in change. You, you could, you know, so, so we're wired to go the safe route. And our mind automatically just tells us, you know, why are you doing that? It tries to talk us out of things that are crazy. So, you know, there's ways around that, but, but you have to recognize that your brain is going to do that naturally. And that's, that's the one thing that, you know, if you're trying to make change in an organization or a group, you need to work on the risks associated with the change. You know, that's that's how you deal with it. So 
um, you know, one of, one of the things I'm thinking about is, you know, how, how, what can you do to, to reduce your risks? That's an important thing. And there's a lot of things you can do. Like uh, um, Elon Musk reduced his risk when that rocket blew up because there were no people in it. Mm. You know, he reduced his risk. And everyone else is looking at that like, oh, that's terrible. That's a failure. He, he saw it totally different. You know, so, so you can reduce your risks by testing things out, talking to people ahead of time, experimenting a little bit before you invest too heavily. And, and that is as a way to get around that fear. And that will get people behind you on the risk. Otherwise, they're, they're going to be very afraid of it. You know, you have to minimize the, uh, the risk um, and accept the failures and, as a good thing. <laughs> I, and I love that. And I think that that's probably the best advice you could share with our listeners is just minimize that risk, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And accept the failures. Yeah, and, and figure out ways to do it. And, you know, that takes some creativity. You have to sit down and you have to think about, you know, how can I – what, what can I do that's sort of a test? And, and when you do these tests, I call them experiments, okay? So they're not projects, they're experiments. You're not solving the problem. You are finding out information about the problem. Okay, it's a big difference. So we're trying to find out information. So the three criteria is that it should be cheap. You don't wanna invest a lot of money in it because you're because it, it might show that you're going the wrong way, which is a good thing. Um, and it's gotta be fast. You gotta move fast. That's fail fast as you fail forward. And then the third thing is it should be generative, which means it should give you the information you need to know that will help you. And so, you know, something that other people would see as a failure can be very successful for that reason, because you found it out now. And I've said that so many times, like especially working with different management structures, I'd say you learned something that's valuable. You know, you didn't if you, you failed, but, you, you know, you could have gone another year investing in this idea or whatever, and you could have put extra people out there selling it and found out it's going to have to be scrapped. You learn something, you know, as early as you can learn it, but learn, learn from it. That's that's valuable. I love it. I love it. So believe it or not, we are coming to the end of our time today. This is just oh. blown by. I know. It's having in- fun today. <laughs> well, you can definitely tell this is your passion because you yes. are like your face just lights up when you start talking about innovation and all that kind of stuff. So, but before I let you go, I do want to ask you our three VIP questions. Okay. So if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you bring with you? First of all, that would be really cool to be chosen as one of the you first. You seem to be a real Elon Musk fan. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm not, I don't know that, well, I'm not going to say anything about Elon, <laughs> but I, I would say though that there's a lot of authors that I love to read and I would love to meet because I know I could have discussions for years mm. on all different topics. Okay. Um, and Simon Sinek is one of those. Oh, okay. Yeah. If you haven't seen any of his um, TED Talks or videos, you know, look him up. And and he has a book, um, Leaders Eat Last, I think it's called, which yep. you know is a great. But but anyway, um, I would love to have him there, not only just to meet him, but I'd love to have all kinds of discussions about things that are going on because we're building a new colony. There's going to be all kinds of cool stuff going on. The other one I was thinking of was James Altucher. I wanted to mention him as well. He's he's a I love just the way he is very open-minded to anything. You can talk to him about anything, and he'll he'll bring in the ideas. So uh, probably Simon is who I would pick. Um, second thing is I would have M and M's. I would I love M and M's. Peanut or regular? <laughs> um, what's that? Peanut or regular? Oh, um, probably regular. I like the chocolate, and and I love the fact that they're candy coated, so you can carry them around with you. You know, like you have them in your pocket, you pull some out, and they're not going to be a mess. 
Um, I'm not one of those weird people that says I want only blue ones, <laughs> but I do like the blue ones. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I would go for the whole 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 deal with that, you know. And I just need to have something to have some fun with up there. You can make a lot of friends with that. Um, and then finally, there's a special lady in my life. I got to bring her along. You know all about that. You just just need to do it. So I love it, especially the M and M's. You can make like a trail for people to follow you around with the M and M's. Oh, yeah. You just need as many as you can. People always get happy when you pull out the M&M. It made always. me happy just you thinking know? about it. <laughs> yes. It's, it's colorful candy. That's what's great. Exactly. <laughs> I use, actually use it when I brainstorm with my teams. I pull out M&Ms because it just gets everybody in a creative mood. You're looking at all these different colors and your your mind is hitting that creative side. It's It's cool. Which, by the way, I noticed in one of your videos that you were throwing candy at your participants. It was around ha Halloween. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, don't throw it overhanded. <laughs> no, no, I, I, you know, one of the jokes is I always ask them, you know, what's what, you know, we're coming up on a special holiday. You know, does anyone know what it is? And they would say something like, oh, it's going to be Christmas or it's going to be um, Easter or, you know, only Valentine's Day, maybe. And I say, no. It's the day after Valentine's Day when the candy is 50% off and I pull out my bag of candy and give it all out. You know, yeah. so. Throw it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I throw it. I mean, sometimes they're back in the back of the room, you know, makes it fun. Keeps so, them awake. You got to keep them awake. That, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm really curious about this. What is one thing you do to start your day that sets you up for success? That's a very easy thing. Um, I've been doing it since I've been about 14 and I go for a run every morning. Every okay. morning? Uh, well, if it's pouring rain, I do not run in the rain, but today there's snow. I ran in the snow. I mean, I just, I love getting out and, and my mind just thinks of so many things when I'm out there. And actually, let me, can I share one of my innovation tips? It's one of my best ones. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's on LinkedIn, I can tell you about my LinkedIn um, site, but the, I have an article I wrote called Taming the Beast that describes this. But what, what you need to do, if you have a problem that you're trying to solve, how many times have you been in the shower or something and all oh, the idea, you know, the answer hits you? Well, that there's there's a process behind that that you can utilize. Okay, and the process is this: your mind does not like an unsolved problem, the subconscious part of your mind. So when you're sleeping, when you're driving down the road, when you're listening to music or on vacation or whatever, you you um, all of a sudden get these ideas because your subconscious mind never stops working on it. But you have to feed the beast, okay? And taming the beast, you have to tell your mind the problem, and it can't be it can't be general. It can't be something like I want to make more money. It's got to be very specific. Mm -hmm. So, which means you write it down and you read it and you and get it in your head and then just go off and have some fun. For me, it's running and I'm running through the park and all of a sudden I'll stop and I'll say like, oh my God, I don't want to lose this idea. I have to get out my phone and type it in, you know, as my new idea so I don't lose it. It just comes out of the blue. I get a, a lot of them when I run. That's just sort of my fun, relaxed time. So I have to share something with you that I do in that respect, because okay. I agree too. I think sometimes you just have to, I tell people I have to chew on it for a while, right? Right. Let it marinate. But right. I have this beautiful little rock. On one side, it says problem. On the other side, it says solution. And if I have a problem I can't solve, I will turn it over to problem. I will think about it, what the problem is, and then I'll turn over the solution and I'll let go. And I know that sounds really corny, but yeah. it works. You mean you come up with the solution when you turn it over? No, 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 no. I just turn mm -hmm. it over so that I see that there's a solution. Oh, and eventually, okay. and then I don't think about the problem anymore. Well, you're using my process. You I am, but I use a rock. 
<laughs> okay, I need to I need to bring a rock into my and M and M's into my process. <laughs> But, but let me tell you something else about this that's, that's very useful. If you have a team of people that are working on a problem, like a lot of us do, you can, you can use this technology without them even knowing it. Plan it in their minds. Write the problem on the board and say, everybody see this problem. This is what we are trying to solve. Write it down. Tell them to write it down. So it's in their, it's in their minds. Then. And then say, oh, we're going to have to break. We'll come back tomorrow. Uh-huh. You've, you've got 10 people out there sleeping on your problem. I've done that many times, and they come in the next day with all these new ideas that they come up with. It's great. Yeah, and I always, you know, I keep a journal beside my bed, just an empty journal, so that, because 3 o'clock in the morning, for some reason, that is my magic hour. And so (laughs) that's when I wake up, and I just go write down real quick, and then I'll go back to sleep. But I've lost, I learned to do that because I lost so many good ideas, because I was was like, I'll remember that in the morning. No, I won't. (laughs) Did you ever read about the in-betweens? No. The reason you wake up at three in the morning? Uh-uh. Oh, okay. Well, before we had all the lights with, you know, indoor lighting, people used to go to bed when it got dark and they'd wake up when it was, was light. Well, that's a long time to be sleeping, especially in the winters, you know, when our, when our days are shorter. So people would always wake up in the middle of the night around the same time and they'd get up and they'd be doing things. They'd be socializing with their neighbors three in the morning and then everyone would go back to bed. They say a lot of a lot of babies were born during that time too. Okay, but but you know it, it's real. So you know when you start waking up at three in the morning, you have there's some some science behind it. Interesting. Okay, yeah. final question. Yes. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? Um, it would be it would be um, you can do it. You can do it because I, I'm very optimistic, and that's my message to everybody. And, you know, I, the critical thinking part of me comes in and says, don't ever say never. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you can do things. You might need to modify it. You might need to spend, a, you know, a long time working on it. You have to have that passion there, but you can do it. And that's what I, that's what I tell people. And, you know, I, I encourage so many people with just that out optimism. So that would be it. That, and that is so critical to being happy in life is that optimism. Yeah. So how do people find you? Um, okay, you can go to my website's the best thing, Lighthouse Force. It's all one word, lighthouseforce.com. And um, you can also look at my YouTube channel, which is two words, Lighthouse and Force. Okay, the, the URLs are always one connected word, but it's two words, Lighthouse Force. And on that channel, you'll see a lot of my videos. Um, and you can, you can, there's contact information on my website as well that you can find. And then on LinkedIn, look for me. My name is Ray Way. Just look me up, you know, follow me. Love to have you there. And if you do follow him, be sure and tell tell him that you found him on the We Are VIP podcast. Absolutely. This so. is great. Well, Ray, this has been fantastic. Um, I hate that the time went by so quickly, but I do have one more thing to say to you. Okay. You are a VIP. All right. Yes. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.